You are listening to Unequaled with J.C. Carroll and Ajay Salveson. But first, our friends, the Painted Roses. Okay, is it inaugural? Is that how you say it? Inaugural. Inaugural. I mean, your your A was was strong. Potato, potato. Does it really matter? There you go. (laughs) Inaugural episode of Uneagle. JC Carroll. I'm Ajay Salveson. This is so fun, so exciting. Uh, We're starting a podcast, obviously, as you can tell, Uh, and we are talking about the journey of athletes, coaches, current, former. Uh, female, male athletes, doesn't matter, about their journey from where they started to where they're excelling now. Um, and that's something I'm really excited about. So, and I think, you know, before we even get into our journey, because I want to talk about your yeah. journey, about mm-hmm. how J.C. Carroll became J.C. Carroll, the guy with a jersey hanging in the in the spectrum, one of only four people to have that happen, which is incredible. Uh, and before we talk about AJ being a guy who wanted to be an actor to now being a guy hanging out with J.C. Carroll. <laughs> you know, we'll get to all that. But, you know, when I thought about this podcast, actually, when this podcast idea came up, it came from Tony Nilton of Guild Mortgage. And I remember he called me. I remember this. And he said, hey, J.C. wants to do a podcast with you. And I thought, okay, Tony, now you're just making up crap. Like, what's what's your problem? Uh, and and I, I said, there's, there's no way. There's no way J.C. Carroll wants to do a podcast. So I remember calling you. And you were all excited about it, and uh, I know that was like nine months ago. It feels like nine years ago that yeah. a phone call happened, but now here we are. Uh, and and I remember the when I talked to Don Webb, and we were talking about the title of the podcast, and we were talking about you know something that makes it separate that can define journeys of excellence. And he came up with the word unequaled, and immediately I thought of you, right, and and how. Like great athletes like you have excelled to such an incredibly high level, not just locally here at Utah State, right. but internationally. Like when you think of the word unequaled, like what like what hits your mind about your journey? Yeah, well, my journey, it's uh, you know, I just think, I think part of unequaled is that that everyone's journey is different. Um, there's not an equal journey for anybody, and there's lots of ways that people find success. And and honestly, that's kind of what I'm interested in is is the human story that we, we want to uh, talk about and discuss with different people, different walks of life, different uh, athletes as we come on. And the idea of, this, uh, of a podcast, I remember in college, I, I just always, I kind of had this, um, this curiosity. I, I wondered how people got from where they were like in high school, I, I I came back. I'd see high school friends, and I'd in you know twenty years later, how they got from where they are, uh, where they were to where they are now. Uh, was it a single decision? Was it a series of life decisions that that got them there? Um, and that's kind of some questions I want to ask and and understand about people is how they, where they started what they thought their life would be and, and where it ended up and, and what were those steps that got there? Was it in, was it a one defining moment or was it many defining moments or, or small decisions along the road that, that led them to, to greatness? That's, and I, I, it's usually something that you don't think of, right? Like it's a story. Like I can't wait to talk to guys like Gary Wilkinson, right? Where he came from, 
where he got to and, and how he is now, right? Uh, Ty Wesley, of course, mm-hmm. was one of the highest, I mean, one of the best players in IE history and highest recruited guys. Uh, but I, I think there's always a small moment. And for me, you know, my, my journey of being into the broadcasting business all started because I was mowing lawns with somebody. And, I, <laughs> and there was a conversation going on with a group of friends about sports. And me being Mr. Know-it-all, right, was like, actually, you're wrong, you know. And I corrected my friends on this stat. And they looked at me and they were like, fetch is this guy, you know. And uh, I remember my good friend Trevor. It was him and I. We were mowing lawns and we we were at a break. I remember he told me, he said, Ajay, what are you doing here? I said, what are you talking about? And he's like, what, why are you here? I was like, I don't know. I like mowing lawns and I, I need a tan. I, I don't know. Right? <laughs> wait, wait. Hold on. You need a tan? <laughs> I mean, I mean, if I, any of us need a tan, it's this guy. <laughs> Let's be honest. Uh, I highly doubt it. But I, 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 I told him, I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, RJ, I just watched you rattle off a stat off the top of your head, correcting like four or five guys talking about a sport. And he said, why aren't you in radio? Like, why aren't you talking sports radio? I was like, dude, because you have to go to school, and I don't want to go to school, and I don't know how to get into the business. And, you know, anyways, he convinced me to go to school, and um, I ended up having a, a conversation with a, a friend who said, hey, we need help on this on this sh- sports radio show to do a jazz pregame. It was the playoffs, game four against the Lakers. All right, hold on, back up. So you're with your friend mowing lawns. He's you. You give some statistics, and then he goes, you should go into sports radio. How, yeah. how old were you? Oh, 23. All right, perfect. 23. And then um, you go to school. You say you're going to school. Where are you going to school? Uh, Utah State. You're at Utah State. And why did you randomly get called to go do this pregame? So that's funny. So I was playing baseball uh, in the Northern Utah League, and our shortstop was a host of a sports radio show called the Full Court Press. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he's like, hey – would you be interested in coming to help out for a, a show for like 30 or so minutes for the Jazz pregame or for their pregame of Utah Jazz versus Lakers playoff basketball? This was in 09. Okay. And I said, yeah, sure. Why not? I'll give it a try. And I did. And I loved it. Like I was so enthralled with being on the radio and knowing, honestly, like this is egotistical, but knowing I was the smartest guy in that room, <laughs> there was four of them. And I was like, nobody knows what I know. Like I am the best here. It's like when you walk on the basketball court and you're like, yeah, nobody can touch me here. Like there's six, eight great players. Nobody's as good as me. You've had that feeling. I know you have. Yeah. And and that was kind of my thought. And I was, and I got out of there and I said, I'm good. I'm really really good at this and then i just became obsessed with it i became obsessed with being so good at this job and i would do little things that you know as a producer behind the scenes that nobody would think of and i I remember like our on-air talent would love it yeah and for example what are some of those things what are some of those things you do that that helps start to differentiate yourself in the behind the scenes as you start doing this what were some of those things that's a great question so i I mean, uh, if, so, we're, if we're oh, – first we don't, of we don't all, give secrets away. So someone comes in and goes behind the scenes and steals your, your, your job and your magic. But, but what are some of those things that you were able to do differently than other people to start to, to carve out your space? No, that's a great question. I 
Well, first of all, I was persistent. Mm -hmm. I would not leave people alone. I would keep bothering him and bugging him. <laughs> like, hey, do you need me? Like, I can come do research for you. And they're like, research for what? I'm like, for your show. So finally, I convinced Eric Franson at the mm -hmm. Cashfly Media Group. I said, hey, let me come do research. And I would just type out all these insane and unnecessary notes. It was an only hour show. And I swear to you, I would type out three hours worth of notes for a show. And I became really good at it. Uh, and then I was the board op for Bear River High School Sports. So, okay. and they would do like just simple things, like hey, instead of welcoming, you know, like I would have music to welcome them back. Simple, really simplistic yeah. things that I was like, this needs something else. This is boring. And I just became obsessed with finding little things that nobody else would do, um, like creating highlight clips and montages to use for their post game. And the more I did that stuff, the better I got. With or at least the more confident I got in myself and my talent right. as a sports radio guy, like so. For example, for you, let me ask you. Um, you, I mean, playing basketball, you were always good since I mean the day you were born, right? I mean, you could touch the basketball, throw in the hoop. It was super easy. When when did it click for you? Yeah, that you could say I'm good enough to play at any league. Yeah, well, that's a that's a tough question. So. You know, I was I wasn't one of these kids growing up that uh, you hear the story like, oh, I wasn't very good, and then all of a sudden I got good. Like I was always at at the upper levels of of my age groups. Uh, there were kind of two two instances that really stand out to me that uh, me I started to kind of change my mind is I I can do this, and uh, one was I was a freshman. Or sophomore, God, I can't remember now, but uh, <clears throat> they invited me to go play against uh, Rich County High School, Rich High, uh, their varsity team. We took like our JV, and I was, it was a three-day, three-game tournament. And in that game, in the, that tournament, I scored uh, 29, 32, 36 points in that tournament as a as a freshman playing against uh, their varsity, and it kind of started to change my mindset. I had I started to get this feeling that if I could touch the paint, I was going to make everything I ever shot. And that that feeling just kind of perpetuated and I started to have that feeling of confidence and I wanted it more. And for me, it became that the more I wanted it, the more practice I put in, the more time I put in, the more I wanted to be uh dominant. I wanted to to le erase all questions in the mind of my coaches whether or not I should play. And at the same time my teammates, right? If you're going to be a guy that's going to shoot a lot, um, I always felt like I need to show my teammates that I could be efficient, that I could shoot a high percentage. And then if anyone looked at me, parents or anything would say, hey, JC shoots too much. Well, we'll go, all right, let's look. He's shooting 62% from the field. Let's give it to your son that's shooting 45% or 30%. And it's just a, it's a, just an argument that doesn't hold water at that point when you're when you're able to, to shoot efficiently, make and score efficiently like that, um, there wasn't much anyone could say. And that became, kind of became an obsession so parents didn't have an argument to go complain to coaches because I shot too much. What was your training regimen like to get, like, to be that good? I mean, some, I mean, I, I've heard stories about like Jimmer Fredette dribbling through a dark church hallway with a basketball, <laughs> right? Like, was that your, I mean, what yeah. was your regimen like? No, uh, you know, all those all those kind of legendary stories. I remember as a kid, like, I, I'd run things through my head um, thinking that one day I'd, ha I'd be interviewed and be asked, you know, what did you do? Like, I would have those conversations with myself in my head as I was shooting baskets. And, um, you know, one dumb thing I always thought about was uh, on my driveway, my hoop, 
was right here and then we had a rock pile behind it and uh that's where my dog went to the bathroom and stuff like that like that's where the the dog poop was and the, the dog would pee so in my head it was like like if i missed my ball would roll off into the dog crap and i'd have to and it, <laughs> so you would have to go i'd have to go through off. and go get it so that was like something on my driveway that uh, i always thought about i was like look if i miss i gotta chase my ball over there it's gonna um man it's gonna land in a pile of dog crap so I need to make sure and make the shot. <laughs> make the shot. Like so, that, those were some dumb things when I was little. And then as I as I got better and as I started start growing, it was like if I want to get to the level I want to be, I need to be disciplined. I need to have a regimen. And so that regimen looked like um, it was 500 shots a day, four times a week, every day in the summer. Um, wow. And the, and the shots. Um, you know, and the shots were very organized. It wasn't like I just was out there doing anything random. Everything was listed out. You know, it's, it's 25 form shots. It's, it's 25 mike in. It's 75 elbow, or I'm sorry, 25 elbow to uh, to short corner. 25 elbow to elbow. 25 short corner to, to elbow. That gives me 75 shots. And then I'm going to go one, one dribble pull up, one dribble pull up from the right wing, one dribble pull up, one dribble step back, one dribble step back, three pointers. And, you know, I could go on and on. These these workouts are memorized. Like I did them so much. I can I can sit here with a kid and we can walk through it with Without, uh, without hesitation, and ultimately that routine is what helped me become, uh, you know, the type of shooter that I was or that I became. And I kind of thought in my mind everyone was doing it. I found out later in years that not everyone was. Holy smokes! All star with just didn't want to have the ball go in the dog crap. <laughs> yeah, I love that, was, that story. That was about it. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was it, man. And uh, you know, my dad was was great. My dad, uh, he kind of got me fired up. I did a as a freshman. I was doing. I played a three on three tournament in Evanston, Wyoming, and my team didn't win. And uh, my dad is one of the most competitive humans that I've ever met. He's coached for forty years, and I just remember sitting in the backseat of the car. He goes. I, and he's like, I can't believe I got a kid that can't score a basketball. Like, oh. I can't believe that you can't score. And so he took me on the driveway that day, and and he's like, we're going to learn how to score. And it's not like I was bad at that point. Like, I was one of the top kids in my town, but, I don't know, he saw more in me and pushed me. And, and I, I liked that from my dad. I got along well with my dad, and – I never, I wasn't the kid that was like, oh, dad, don't tell me what to do. That wasn't me. I was like, okay. I would have begged for that. Like, my dad, like, in Little League basketball, like, hey, everybody, let AJ score a basket here, okay? <laughs> if nobody will play defense, just let him go to the hoop. Please don't swat a shot while not jumping. Just let him score once. <laughs> My dad would have been thrilled if I scored a bucket. I love that of your dad. My dad had no expectations of me. And still doesn't as a broadcaster, by no, the way. He's that's like, not true. You're still really bad, RJ. You know, quit with your bad takes. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about – look, we'll talk about your success like crazy because there's a lot of it. I want to talk about the trials that help get you through success because, you know, both you and I probably had bumps, right, yeah. mm-hmm. downs of, of trying to get to where we are. And I think that would be something that I think we both can relate to. That makes our stories unequal to maybe everybody else, right? Yeah. Okay. That's all coming up here on the Unequal Podcast. Hi, this is Karen Nielsen with Guild Mortgage in Logan, Utah. Beyond great rates, we're committed to ongoing customer service even after your loan closes. We want you to experience knowledge, communication, and amazing customer service for a lasting relationship. Make Guild Mortgage your trusted partner. 
A big thanks to all those who are listening to today's podcast here on Uninkled. JC Carroll, I'm Ajay Salveson. Want to thank our wonderful sponsors as well. Larry Bradler, Larry Bradley of Abode & Co. Real Estate, your trusted real estate broker and avid Aggie fan. Avid JC Carroll fan, by the way, too. Uh, your number one advocate when it comes to anything real estate. Uh, go with Larry Bradley and Ted Stokes, former local athlete, Skyview quarterback, former walk-on with Utah State. Uh, Ted Stokes has established the number one bankruptcy law firm in the state of Utah. Stokes Law's playbook is helping individuals and businesses overcome tough financial situations. If you're facing garnishment, repossession, foreclosure, or just overwhelming debt, give Stokes Law a call at 435-213-4771. Again, that's 435 435- Two one three four seven seven one, or visit their website at stokesbankruptcy.com. Stokes Law is a debt relief agency and provides guidance under the United States Bankruptcy Code. Uh, again, J.C. Carroll, Monty Salveson, we're in this beautiful, beautiful building, this med spa. Um, and this is gorgeous. Your wife runs this thing, right? You and uh, your wife and um, Jess Wilkinson. Yeah, so my my wife and and Jessica and we have and Heidi uh Bailey's aunt decided that this was something that was needed up here in Cache Valley uh it's a luxury spa where where men women can come and get pampered they there's they offer a little bit of everything uh awesome massages sports massage recovery there's a red light sauna for uh which is great for uh recovery as well there's all the the lasers and everything you could want for laser hair removal hydrofacial for facials um the bbl moxie machine for to get rid of um reduce scarring and skin pimping pigmentation than all the products that you could want as far as skincare. So uh, kind of a dream of my wife. Uh, she got with uh, another Aggie uh, friend with the, the Wilkinsons, uh, her Jess, and then Heidi, who was in, has been in the aesthetics business for most of her life. She was actually a, a King's dancer. Uh, what? In uh, Sacramento I, Kings. I didn't know this. Yeah, back in the the Vladi Divots, the Mike Bibby days. Oh, those were the glory days for Kings back fans. Back in the glory days, oh, Paige Stoyakovich. Doug Christie. Doug Christie. Uh, yeah, she uh, she spent like 10 years or more being a, uh, a cheerleader for him. Uh, she, went, she was an all-star cheerleader for the NBA and all that kind of stuff. So she's... Um, Decided to move up to Cache Valley and uh, and run this this aesthetics and wellness spa, and it's been it's been just great. Such a cool spot. As I as I've seen customers coming in and out, um, I'm really impressed what this can do to help people feel better about themselves. That's awesome. Uh, JC, we were talking here on Unequal here, our first episode that we've done on this podcast. I'm so excited about it. Uh, your journey and my journey of success. But with every success also has a downfall, right? Those, mm-hmm. those like little plateau moments and those little hill moments maybe that you feel like you aren't where you want to be or maybe you're stuck or maybe you're second guessing yourself. When was that first moment for you? I mean, maybe at Utah State or college. When What was that? Yeah. Uh, the first first moment like that was uh, I'll go back to high school and in high school I was thought as a freshman I was going to be playing varsity basketball that was that was my goal I was like hey I'm going to play varsity basketball and they put me on the freshman basketball team um, I didn't play to didn't play any varsity and finally about halfway through the season they invited me on a, a varsity trip I was like hey this is it I'm going to start playing varsity I'm going to show out and they put me on the sophomore bench and I didn't start. I didn't play the first quarter. With 13 s- seconds left in the second quarter, coach put me in. I played 13 seconds of a sophomore game as a freshman, and that was it. And for me, that was kind of a low point. Uh, that's when I really started re- to 
want to take things in my own hands and I knew I had to get better. I knew I had to improve so that coaches could not I had I wanted to take the decision out of the coach's hands whether or not I was good enough or not. It was just gonna be so blurringly obvious that they had to have me on the court. And so for me that was a, a big motivator. Like I I mean I'm forty years old and I'm still thinking about the thirteen seconds that coach put me into the sophomore game. Like that's ridiculous. I should have moved on from that for now, but I'm still angry about it. I'm still um it still like motivates me to, to get better. So I kind of hold on to things like that. But that was was it was a high consequences in my life? No, it was it was a sophomore game. But those kinds of things continue to motivate me. I always wondered. For me, it was when I first started at the Utah Jazz Radio Network at the Zone in Salt Lake, and I just came from Cashfly Media Group, where I was so good at my job, I was better than anybody else, and I knew it. Yeah. I go into the Zone, and also I'm working with these guys who are not only better than me. But it's hands down, bar none, head and shoulders better than me. And I remember I couldn't catch on. I was slow at everything. I couldn't I couldn't hit the right things. I didn't have an ear like I thought I did. Yeah. And I remember one night, it was after a post game, Oregon in Utah. And I know this doesn't like really maybe impact like, you know, like you use 13 seconds, but I remember the post game didn't go well and it was my fault. It was completely yeah. my fault. And it was so bad that the guy who was hosting the post game, my guy who was training me, you know, left me there to go to a Halloween party. And he said, Hey, uh, so-and-so, if you're out there, get back here and help Audrey do his job <laughs> on air said that. Oh, really? Dude, I went home and I, I I'll be honest. I cried. Yeah. For about maybe an hour and a half because I thought I was getting fired. Like this was the biggest moment when I got hired by the Utah Jazz Radio Network, yeah. Scott Gerard and Co. And I had just failed miserably, JC. Miserably. And I remember the so the schedule comes out every other, you know, every week and they you know, and I thought when the schedule was gonna come out, I either wasn't gonna get the schedule or my name wasn't gonna be on the schedule. And I saw the schedule, and my name was in like four different spots to produce things. And I I was so relieved. I actually, I mean, I'm a baby, but I started crying again because I thought, oh my gosh, I got a second chance. But that was such a low peak to to be like, to go from being the guy to being, no, you're not even close to being where you're supposed to be. You're not even, uh, uh, you're not even uh, just, I mean, we wouldn't even consider you to be, you know, for another job anywhere else. And it was so hard. And it was a huge, huge, ego like sledgehammer the ego kind of a thing and it woke me up a lot that i have a lot of you know a lot of things i had to improve in a lot of ways mm -hmm. and i i mean i would stay for hours just learning how to run a board i would stay and i would do anything and everything to try and get better and it took me a while and it took me a long while to develop a listening ear and what it takes to actually be a good producer and uh Man, it's it, it still hits me today. I still have the notebook of like that night where I wrote in this notebook about my day, you know, on that on that faithful night, Oregon and Utah. I think it was like November fourth, two thousand fourteen, and uh, one of the worst working days of my whole entire life. Yeah. So so good. So you you had that moment. Um, there's a low point in your career, but then it sounds like you were you're persistent, you dedicated, you went back to work, you became smarter, you became more informed. But you don't have a choice. More. You don't have a choice. But that's the thing, you do have a choice. And there's a lot of people that would go the other way and maybe just quit. Like that's that's the difference between a lot of people where they, they end up finding success ultimately and those that end up going somewhere else, I think, and, and finding a different job. Like um 
a lot of people could have just said, you could have looked at that guy on there and said, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Like, he's wrong. I know what I'm doing. And and you could have just blamed him, but you didn't. And I think today a lot of – that happens with a lot of people. They walk in and go, it's this person's fault, not my fault. It's his fault. They should – They it wasn't me. I think there's a lot of pointing fingers at other people and not, not interiorizing say, all right, where, where can I improve? Where can I do things better? So, you know, you say, what else was I supposed to do? Well, that's you. That's not everybody. That's crazy that like to think that you would quit though. Yeah, like that's you worked that's, so hard to get there. Why would you want to? Why would there be another choice? Yes, and that's why you ended up getting there. That's why you're still able to do these things because you weren't that person. And I love that it it wasn't even a second thought for you. It was like, hey, what else am I gonna do? I just got to get better at my job. Where there are other people that go, no, they don't know what they're talking about. I did my stuff fine, or I'm fine where I'm at, and they just you just rest on your laurels and what you've done forever, and not work to get better. Like that's that's what makes you unique. Like that's what makes you that's what ultimately ends up start to separate people that are just good at what they do or bad at what they do, and those end up becoming great. Like honestly, it is. Wow. So who was? Give me somebody. I know your dad's probably one of them, if if not the one, who helped you. Rise above the heap, if you will. Yeah, you know, my dad, my mom was a was an excellent support system. Uh, they would rebound for me. They take me to the gyms. They we had keys to every school in the in the in the town, so I could go inside and practice. Now, I did have a really good high school coach named Jim Schaefer. That he's the guy that ultimately gave me my first 500 shot uh, workout that I became obsessed with. Uh, so I I I. I I talked to his. He's still coaching. I talked to his team uh, about a month ago. Oh, that's cool. As they were getting ready to play, like he's like, "Hey, can you get on?" And I was able to talk to him, and and he's a smart coach, and so that's really fun. So my coach, look, I had other things that that motivated me. I had a high school principal when I, I was an eighth grader. He's a high school principal, and uh, with a group of boys, and they start asking, "What am I going to be when I grow up?" And he starts. And all the kids, he goes down. All the kids goes. Oh, you're gonna be like your dad. You're gonna do oil field. You're gonna do this. You're gonna do that. And me, like everyone else, I go. Hey, what am I gonna do? Uh, keep in mind, I'm like a seventh or eighth grader. He looks at me, and goes, "You're gonna be a nobody." Like, why would you say that to a seventh or eighth grader? No matter what you actually believe, like, why would that? And I kind of laugh. He's like, he was serious. He's like, no, you're gonna be a nobody. And I was like, such a weird. Again, I'm forty. I'm looking back, like such a weird thing to say to a kid, but. It motivated me. He's like, why does this guy not see anything in me? Why does he think so, 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 so little of me? And so that motivated me. And I hate to say it, but it's like I'm gonna show him. Like I'll show him. I'll do something. Not saying that I ever became anybody, but it's like I'm gonna, I'm gonna show him. Um, in college, uh, I had a, I was working a job at the sports academy. I was doing the kids club during the summer because we couldn't make money back then. So I had a summer job. My first summer job, I worked in the oil fields for 12 hours a day um, after my freshman year of college. No one knows that. 12 years in the oil field, or 12 hours a day in the oil fields during the summer um, after my freshman year at Utah State. Next year, I, I got a job here in town. But I had a coworker, and I, I killed it. I had a coworker that goes, um, I see you working at McDonald's in the next few years. I was like, what? Like, I just, I, I couldn't understand. I was like, what? But those things motivated me. I hate to say it, but I, I've i I've interiorized, interiorized a bunch of these things. And it's like, all right, hey, not just, 
I'll show you, but I'm going to do this for me. Some, somewhere someone sees something less than me, I'm going to show that I'm more than what they see. I, you know, I, I'm like you. I'm really petty. I, well, I, <laughs> Don't I, use that no, word. No, that sounds terrible. Yeah. I, no, I, but I, I, I had that happen. Like I remember uh, my mom and dad wanted to get me this job because they want, they didn't think I could get any other job. Yeah. And I was like, are you serious? Like, you don't think I can succeed. I, I felt like that. And maybe that's not what they meant, but I took it that way. I took it really personal. Like Michael Jordan right in Los Angeles. I took that personal. Yeah. Um, Great. Uh, if you haven't watched that, have you not watched that? But yes, go ahead. Keep it, going. You know, you're right, though. It, it, but there's an obsession. So then when I go and work with other people or when I was starting, you know, there was a lot of people like, well, are you actually going to be able to accomplish this dream of yours? Okay, well, wait, you don't have this and you're not doing this and you're not here. So do you actually have a realistic goal in life? I said, yeah, that is my realistic goal. This is what I want to be and this is where I want to go. And people would never give you a chance to prove it. They would just write you off and say, you know what, that's cute, fun, thanks, go on with your life, and uh, we'll see you back here or whatever, McDonald's. Yeah. And no offense to McDonald's, really. But I, <laughs> I, 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 I was obsessed with proving, and I still am to this very day, JC, I still am obsessed with proving people wrong. And it, it became an absolute obsession of mine, like you. And I love, I love that 13-second story. That honestly, like, tapped right into my gear right there. Yeah. Hearing the the thirteen second story, and I think, you know, I again, as as much as we've had those people doubt us, we've had a lot of people support us. I've had uh, a numerous amount of people support me, but I think a lot of them jumped on the wagon after I started succeeding. Yeah. Like right, I mean, they're all like, "Oh yeah, hey, we knew you were gonna do it, man. You were great. We all knew you had a dream for it." Yeah. No. Yeah, and I don't know where I saw it or if I or this was teammates, but um. I'd have teammates that I played with that as they were growing up, people say, Hey, don't forget me when I when when you blow up. Don't forget me when you're in the NBA. Don't forget me. You know, no one's saying that to me, but to some of my teammates, don't forget sure. me to to friends and family. And um they kinda went the other way too, like, hey, don't forget me if I don't make it. Like I'm gonna try everything I got, but don't forget me um if if I don't make it. And uh, that's something that's always just kind of been powerful to me with, with some of my teammates that um, they end up making it. They end up doing great things. But uh, there's a there's a lot of young people that have these high aspirations. And some work hard, some do everything they got. But for whatever reason, they, they don't end up making it. And, uh, and they get treated differently like they failed or something. Um, I'd much rather hang around people that have tried to do big things and failed than hang around people that have never tried anything. They've never tried to do more than what they're capable of and uh, just never taken that first step towards something, a lifelong goal or a, or a career or a job that they wanted as a kid. Those people are hard for me to be around. They just settle, I guess. Anyone that tries for something great and fails, I love those people, and I will spend every minute I have with people like that. It's one of the best stories around, JC. I love talking to you about it, and I could do this for hours. Crazy enough, we're actually our time's up. Yeah. That's amazing to me. Uh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait to continue this with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I think it'll be fun. Um, we want to get a lot of, uh, of other people's stories, people that have, have done things. You know, we – there's a cross country girl at Utah State that I was kind of tell you about that I'd like to talk to. She, she was I, I met her this summer. I'm sitting talking to her like, what are you doing? She got to do cross country. She's working at she's working at, at a bank at this time in the summer. 
what did you do before you came here? She goes, I ran nine miles before I came to work. You know, work started at nine. So she ran nine miles before nine o'clock. I go, what are you doing after this? She goes, I go run nine more miles after work. Like that story I think is so motivational, so inspirational. Just what some of these young people are doing to, to, I, as much as disciplined as I think I am, I got to play basketball. Yeah, I like, need something to I, run I, with. I threw a ball in the hoop. <laughs> like, she's out running nine miles and then nine miles after. Like, that's 18 miles in a day. It's amazing. So, I think there's just some really interesting mindset things we can learn. I, uh, and and I, I'm excited for it. JC Carroll, I'm Audrey South. So I want to thank everybody who's been a part of today's podcast. Uh, Adam Lurcher and Bailey Johnson, our uh, behind-the-scenes crew. Always got to give them a big thanks. Our sponsors, Gil Mortgage, uh, Tony Nilton, Kerry Nilton, and their crew. Uh, Larry uh, Bradley and Abode and Co. Real Estate. Um, the Stokes Law Firm, appreciate them. Bridgewood Adventure Park, uh, I think you're going to go back there this summer, aren't you? Hang out with us in Bear Lake? Yeah. Why Why not? In the summertime around here, there's not much better place to go than Bear Lake, and the Adventure Park has been great. My kids love it. We need I, to go on the swing together. I want to see you on the swing with me <laughs> once. Please, I beg of you. Hey, that's fine. As long as you don't put your arm around me or something. Uh, Claire Webb, by the way, they're accepting corporate groups. You can find more info at uh, blap.rocks. Um, I want to thank the rest of our sponsors, and uh, for all those who are listening to the podcast, hit subscribe. However you listen to your podcast, wherever you get them, hit the subscribe button. Tell us that you like it, and if you don't, just still tell us that you like it. Lie to us. Um, <laughs> but uh, we want to thank everybody for listening to this podcast of Unequal. We'll talk to you next time. Get me to feel this way, I think I'll be coming home. It's been such a long time. Oh, I think I might have made one too many a mistake. If you help me find my way, I promise I'll do.